Welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from three different perspectives. I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift and Wanderers of Melisandre for the Accidental Aliens. And I'm Keith Foster. I write the comic Kadoja and the upcoming comic Three Protectors. And I'm Gary Hodges. I'm the creator of the indie comic series D versus M. And we are back. Hose, hose, hose is all I see. Wait, that doesn't help. We're on Zoom and I'm looking at you guys. Sorry, that's not what I meant. <laughs> or did I? <laughs> so in uh, the tradition of this year, because this is our first holiday. Is this our first Christmas or did we have this? Is, this is absolutely our. No, no, no. We, we like we rolled through. We were like all business last year. It's like, hey, it's Christmas. Here's what I did this week. I did six things or whatever it is. So, yeah. Oh, OK. This, yeah. We didn't even acknowledge it was the holidays. We are we are starting. We are starting right now. All right. The start of our holiday tradition. We are having ourselves holiday beers. So, uh, Gary, what is your beverage today, sir? Well, it's, again, not very holiday-y, but uh, I, I just couldn't resist it. So it's Great Divide Horchata Yeti. It's an imperial, yes. imperial stout, 9.5% uh, stout with Saigon cinnamon and Madagascar vanilla beans. Yeah, honestly, the can does look a little holiday-ish. Those look like yeah, holiday it reefs. It and, does. Um, snowflakes yeah, you got those different colors and stuff yeah i think i think if we proved anything in the for in the holiday episode it's that we establish very wide parameters for what constitutes christmas or not yes. you know if you have a goddamn movie where you have a bunch of crazy shit and then there's a christmas tree at the end i'm cool with it sure <laughs> you know what i mean like <laughs> why you made a conscious choice yeah exactly yeah. exactly it's good and, and yeah yeah it's uh you know if i didn't if it didn't say horchata i don't know if i would say like oh it tastes just like horchata but it does have kind of a creamy vanilla-y cinnamon-y uh, oh, okay. quality to it so I okay all that so yeah it's it sounds like it would sound pretty good it does make me wonder if it's just a, a heavy alcohol stout with like a tinge of that as opposed to something a bit more involved than just drinking a nice glass of horchata that that would be my verdict. Yeah, it's like a, it's yeah. a nice cinnamony vanilla y stout. But yeah, good. yeah. And and with me, uh, so I am going with Bark Griswold. It is a white chocolate peppermint bark stout, and that is what we are rocking right now. Wow! I through through the magic through the magic of podcasting, I somehow am still here at Lake Arrowhead. And it is, it is 33 <laughs> degrees outside. I, I don't know, man. I, I, I do feel like I'm about to touch the third rail here because I had a beer at lunch and this is my third. And uh, at my age, I'm really concerned that there's just going to be a jackhammer in my head. So I'm going to, I'm going to measure shit right now. I'm, I'm a little concerned. I didn't take a writing retreat so I can spend the next morning hungover. But, what uh, uh, percentage is that? 6.5. So it shouldn't oh, okay. be too bad. Shouldn't be too bad. Yeah. That's uh, so anyway. Yeah, yeah. How about you, man? Uh, okay, so I have a chocolate babka pastry stout, uh, stout brewed with cacao nibs. And uh, from, mean, my, from my understanding, cacao nibs are the nipples. <laughs> oh, my I'm goodness gracious. Right now. Okay, I, I, uh, this is a 10%. How much? This is a 10%. 10? Ooh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's going to well, get a little crazy. Oh, you're going to be aren't messed you fancy? up. Yeah, and, this is by... your hosting. Uh-huh. Campinology <laughs> Brewing is the, is the brewing company there. Interesting. I've never heard of this place. Let's give it a go. 
I have that one in my fridge and I'm going to be eager for your review. It is a very chocolatey smelling uh, beverage for sure. Oh, that's nice. Oh, I enjoy that. Wow. I like that a lot. I mean, making, making up for lost time with that lousy ass. Oh man. So I think this is the same company that did, uh, did the tiramisu beer that I had a couple Mm. of weeks ago. So Mm -hmm. I think, uh, and and Keith, you and I shared one. I think this is the same company because it was the same bottle size and label style. So I'd imagine it's the same one. And that tiramisu was pretty badass. And I'm really enjoying this. So um, you guys out there in podcast land, do yourself a favor, go to Trader Joe's chocolate babka pastry stout. It is a limited time. So make sure you that. Now of the two, which which would you say is the better one? Oh man, I think I'm going to have to go through this glass and I'll let you know at the bottom. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this episode, we're doing something a little different. We're focusing on our favorites of 2021. So just to be clear for you listeners out there, it doesn't necessarily have to be out in 2021. It is the fact that we discovered it in 2021. And here on the Making Comics podcast, that counts. So, Gary. We're going to go with you first. You are the guest. And uh, let's go with, since this is a Making Comics podcast, why don't we go with your favorite comic of 2021? Well, uh, we've talked about it before, so this might not be a big shock, but I had to go with Barry Windsor Smith's Monsters. I'm not going to claim it's a perfect comic. It's probably a not, I, not probably, it's definitely not a comic for everyone. There are parts that I was frustrated with or I thought didn't quite hit right. But overall, on a whole, I was really impressed and kind of staggered by just the accomplishment of this work. This is, uh, as the story goes, this is some comic he's chipped away at for 30 years. It was originally his pitch for a Hulk comic. I think something happened. There was a fallout with Marvel or Marvel wasn't interested or a little bit of both. And he just decided, well, I'm just going to do my own thing. Yeah, I believe the the story itself was a little too brutal for Marvel. It wasn't somewhere they wanted to go. And uh, so they passed on it because of that. That's my understanding. Which makes sense. I mean, if you read it, it is a hard comic. I think it's for, you know, it's it's an adult comic. And I don't mean adult in that like there's lots of girls i mean like there's uh, you know it, it's it's mature you know yeah li- listeners of the podcast will know that the real adult comic is d versus m 1979 that's right that's right just wait for the cox communication um <laughs> Oh, but I, <laughs> I, I, I was really impressed there. by it and something, uh, if you want to track down, I did a detailed review of it for uh, Indie Review Show. Uh, if you just go to YouTube, you'll find it. Something I was freely admitting is like, it's the only comic I've ever read that kind of made me tear up at the end. I, I mean, it's, it's, I think, a very powerful work. It's not a perfect work, but it's an impressive work and I admire it. And of all the comics I've read in 2021, it's the one that I think is like for sure, like the biggest artistic achievement in my mind, not just drawing, but writing and the whole thing, how it came together. So that was my pick. Excellent. Yeah, I just got that uh, in the mail yesterday and I finally had a chance to start flipping through it today. And uh, you are correct. It is an impressive work just visually from what I've seen. There's a uh, uh, just you can see the hours and hours that he put into that book. 
100%. I'll, I'll be eager to talk to you guys about it after you've read it, because just to mm -hmm. see like what you thought. Um, not a lot of people I've talked to have read it, but it was really interesting to me, and I'm glad I did. Keith, how about you? Your favorite comic of 2021? So for me, it was tough. There were, there were three. And, and honestly, I could spin a wheel and land on any of these three. But I'm going to go... And, and like, I'm almost kind of choosing as I go here. I'm going to go with Nice House on the Lake. Uh, nice House on the Lake is a book through DC. I believe James Tinian writes it. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, tin, uh, tinian. Tinian. Man, do I, do I just butcher that? I feel like that's a drinking game. Like, you could, you could just play bingo at this point with us. Just keep uh, butcher a name. Yeah. Put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, I, you never hear these things. I never hear them. I just read them. So Nice House on the Lake is not done. It's about halfway done. I, the reason that I'm, I'm choosing it is because when it came to the first slash second issue, no comic has punched me in the face with the cool horror element the way that this book did in its first book or two. I think it was specifically the first book where the big thing happens. And I was like, that my friends, is a really kick-ass twist. So, as a result, I mean, I think it's, it's really neat. I don't want to give away anything. If, if horror books are your thing, or if Tinian is your thing, then Nice House on the Lake is wonderful within that portfolio. It's a strong, strong entry. I'm eager to see how it ends up, but in a lot of ways, it could end up sort of poorly, and, and I can still think highly of it. If it sticks the landing, well, now we're talking about something that might be one of my favorite comics, you know, ever, or, or might make some kind of list of mine at some point in the future. So that was mine. Nice house, nice house on the lake. Nice and very poetic since you are uh, on a nice house on the lake. So very true. Cool. Uh, mine is vinyl. So that's uh, honestly, I was thinking about this and trying to like, I don't know about you guys, but my concept of time since quarantine has been a little off. So it's hard for me to gauge what started in 2021, what I discovered in 2021. And uh, so a good runner up would have been, we only find them when they're dead. But I find that if I have issues of vinyl that come out and we only find them dead when they're dead, come out the same week. Vinyl is the first issue that I read. That's the first thing on my stack of books to read. When I was a kid, I used to do a little different. I used to, I used to put the books in order of the ones I wanted to read the most, and I would read those last. And so it would make me go through the stack a lot faster. And uh, as I've gotten older, I'm just like, no, I want to be happy now. So I just read whatever I want to read. And vinyl, I found, was the thing that I always read first. Yeah, that's actually also true for me with nice house on the lake i mean if we're going to do a quick honorable mention orphan and the five beasts was the oh. book that i almost chose and yeah. i know that's a scott and i have sent texts back and forth on that that is also amazing just great old school violent kung fu but anyway mm -hmm. um so yeah yeah but nice house on the lake is a book that i read the day i get it and there really aren't many books like that a lot of times i'll just queue up my books so maybe I don't read the whole series, but I might read like three, four at a time to just get a nice blast of story or a nice house on the lake. I just read it the day it comes out. Yeah. Um, with, with vinyl, it's interesting because it's okay. So I did, I don't fancy myself a horror fan. 
and the artist himself, um, uh, Daniel Hilliard, Hilliard, he he has a very Ryan Otley esque style. Who draws Invincible or used to draw Invincible, and it's not a style that you would associate with horror. So there's the the contrast of his very cartoony style mixed with how he depicts violence. It's like there's there's something there. There's a balance to it that I just heavily enjoy. It's not something that you're gonna read and be overly creeped out or or you know like i don't know if anyone reads a comic and is just like scared by a comic book you're not going to be scared by this but there's a lot of gore and there's there's a horror element to it but the balance between that cartooniness and the the script itself it's just it's such a fine balance that that i really enjoy um how is the art on a uh, a uh, nice house on the lake i mean it's good it's it's sort of a swishy painted style. Okay. There's a, there's a certain horror effect around the lead interest in terms of horror that they do where they kind of create this idea of like kind of swirling blurry faces. So it has that. It has that painted look, whether it's painted or not. I love that kind of stuff, as you are aware. I love stuff that's really expressive, uh, even if it's not the cleanest um, thing that you have out there. So to me, it works perfectly. Nice. Very cool. All right, moving along, we're going to stay in the comics. Uh, favorite artist of this year, 2021. Gary, sorry. Are we going? Are we going? Yeah, to I'm okay. sorry. Might I as well. Have, uh, Might I should have well. said mm-hmm. your name. No, no problem. Um, so this is someone. Uh, this this fits what we opened with that it's not necessarily someone who released something in 21. It's someone we discovered in 21. Uh, I've kind of going down the rabbit hole of European and South American comic artists. And I discovered Alberto Breccia. Uh, if you want to try and find some of his work, Fantagraphics is a good place to find it. He did a version of Dracula. He did something called the Eternaut. Uh, he's probably best known for something called Mort Cinder. Um, his art style especially the way I draw D versus M, it's just something that I I think I want to start looking more at as a fun inspiration. I don't want to try and emulate it, but it's, it's, it's sort of in that family where at its best, it's black and white, it's heavy on inks, but it's very um, mixed media. He'll work in paper textures or watercolors or acrylics or things like that and kind of mix it up. And it's a really interesting balance of very fine exacting details, especially in characters and character faces. But then he'll also combine that with big blocks of blacks and whites that are almost um, abstract. Uh, I really am kind of loving the more of his stuff I see, the more I'm loving it. I think the first thing of his I saw was Dracula, which looks to me very not exactly but you'll know what i mean if you look at it kind of like yellow submarine like the beatles animation it looks very like psychedelic 60s or 70s but then after i saw that i was like well what other things have he has he done that looks really cool everything else i've seen has been very black and white which is more my passion and i love even more and that's where it's more fussy detailed but also loose in other places i i'm really loving him he's a guy he passed away in 93 he worked in the comics industry for like 50 years. He was very accomplished. He was Argentinian. Um, and I'm kind of, like I said, going down that rabbit hole. I love him. 
I'm checking out his stuff now as you're speaking, and I see exactly what you're talking about. There's a lot of ink wash there, a lot of dry brush technique. Um, there's even a panel here. It's just like this could have been straight out of Sin City. Um, so he has a very wide range of techniques that he uses. There's an artist. Uh, so for you listeners out there, if you're familiar, if you know Matteo Scalera, uh, Matteo Scalera looks like he was probably influenced by this guy because they have a very similar style in certain pieces. Um, this is excellent work. Uh, I not, really do like this. I Not only do I see for sure like a Sin City kind of feel in some of them, 100% uh, like a Mignola look. Like, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's that kind of just that stark and, and dealing mostly with shape and lights and darks as opposed to really getting into details and colors. I, I'm, I'm, like I said, it's just an artist I discovered very recently. I don't know how I never noticed him before, but now I'm really excited to see. And it's kind of fun when you discover one of these artists that have been around forever and therefore they have a massive body of work to go back to and explore. Yeah, excellent. That's a great pick, man. Fantastic work there. Um, it's, it's always interesting that when you discover these new artists, that's why I love listening to different YouTube shows where uh, creators will talk about favorite artists or artists that they've discovered. Cause then now you've discovered them. You can delve into their work and you're just, your the library in your brain expands on, you know, what's out there, what you can do, you know, it's, it's amazing. Uh, Keith, what do you got? Favorite artist? Uh, you know, I, I think we're going to, I'm going to preface this by saying, I think we all have a category or two where we feel like we're a simpleton. And I feel like I'm a simpleton in this category, but I think my answer is still pretty good. And my answer is Daniel Warren Johnson. Uh, Daniel Warren Johnson has made, I think four books, but three of them are among my favorites. Um, and so while I technically, I think, First discovered Daniel Warren Johnson a little into 2020 when I got the first two issues of Wonder Woman Dead Earth. This was really the year, you know, I, I like to use the, when I look back on this year, who's the artist I remember discovering? And it's Daniel Warren Johnson. Because when I was in my comic shop, uh, my dude Funky said, well, if you like that, you'll like Murder Falcon, this book he did. And uh, we've talked at the pod about uh, on the podcast about Murder Falcon. It's amazing. And it's heavy metal themed. Um, so I think not only is he a great artist and, and has that raw, expressive style that I like so much, he also seems to share some sensibilities. And then you add on to that the fact that he did the Beta Ray Bill story for Marvel, which uh, did happen this year. Uh, he's awesome. And then I finally went back and read the rest of Wonder Woman Dead Earth, which is also incredible. So that's, that's three books that I was just smitten with. Uh, I love him as an artist and uh, I can't wait to see what else he's got coming. I just pulled him up because I was unfamiliar and I totally see what you mean. I love it. And I see he did a, the one thing I just came across in the Google image search. He did a commission, I guess, of uh, Akira. Mm -hmm. Looks totally badass. Like it's very like I would encourage people like if you're curious, just Google like Daniel Warren Johnson Akira. And, you know, it's it's pretty cool. But... Yeah, Daniel Warren Johnson is amazing. He's uh, very similar to Sean Gordon Murphy but he brings a manga uh, sense to his work. Like there, there is an aesthetic there that he does. It's very manga-esque. He does like the speed blur lines. Like if he's doing a fist, the, the fist is like blurred out almost. And um, it's honestly, he's probably the most copied artist of 2021, maybe 2020, 2021. 
Um, that's a style I start like that blurred fist image. And it's, it's not brand new. It's not, but it seems everyone didn't ever read manga. Like anyone that draws American comics, no one seems to have used it before him, but once he introduced it and everyone saw this guy's amazing. Now everyone does it. And, and I had already started to, I'm not, I just don't, I just don't want people to think I'm copying him, but it was something I started implementing uh, before I discovered him. But uh, if you're a fan of uh, Sean Gordon Murphy, you're going to really like Daniel Warren Johnson. And if you've only heard of vice versa, check the other guy out, Sean Gordon Murphy. He's amazing. Both guys rely heavily on the black and white. Um, uh, Daniel Warren Johnson, I would say relies more on the dry brush technique where Sean Gordon Murphy, he does a lot of dry brush, but he also does some uh, um, uh, um, ink wash from time to time. Not very often, but uh, his, his dry brush work is, is fantastic. Um, and I don't know, Gary, I don't know if you're familiar. You should check out Matteo Scalera. And he did, uh, you, can, you can type like uh, Black Science from Image Comics, uh, Rick Remender and Matteo Scalera, he did that. And he also did, oh, funny enough, he worked with Sean Gordon Murphy on uh, White Knight's Harley Quinn. That was a fantastic series. Um, he, he, did the, he did the work because he has a very, he's, he relies heavily on the black and whites as well. Like his work looks beautiful cover, uh, colored, obviously. Mm -hmm. But if you saw his work in black and white, you, you'd be like, yeah, just give me the whole book like this and it's fine. So. This is great. Actually, I've been scribbling down all your guys' picks because this will be a fun thing for me to chase all these down. So Yeah, and, and a quick, oh shit, for me. Uh, I was like, okay, I'll check out this Sean Gordon Murphy while Scott's talking. Turns out he did two books I love. He did The Wake, which I think is incredible. Uh, well, okay, the first half of it's incredible. Um, and then the second half, you know, they, they do a story thing that is fine, but the strength of the first six issues is so amazing. It was tough to top that. Um, and then Tokyo ghost, which I didn't know he did. So again, I, I'm, I'm going to dig a little deeper into his stuff. Cause those are two books I'm huge fans of. Yeah. And you're a Batman guy too, Keith. So uh, you would appreciate his uh, white Knight series. So mm -hmm. uh, it's his own, it's the Gordon verse, the Murphy verse. I think it's called, I think it's called the Murphy verse, something like that. And uh, yeah, it's fantastic. It's, it's very Batman, the animated series, but in his style. And so he like, it's like he takes that world and then just carries it forward into the modern world, um, you know, with the storylines that were going on in that series. And then he brings it forward in his. It's very cool. Um, okay. So for me, artist, it's hard for me to not give Daniel uh, Hilliard the, the nod for artist that I discovered in 2021. He draws remarkably a lot like uh, Ryan Otley, who I mentioned, and he, Ryan Otley is one of my favorite modern artists. So the fact that he draws very similar, but he has more of a cartoony element to his. Um, there is quite a lot of similarities there, but uh, just the work he's doing, I love it so much. The honorable mention, uh, he's been talked about a lot by myself, is Simone DeMaio, and he is the artist from We Only Find Them When They're Dead. Um, the only reason why I would give Hilliard the, the nod is because of my love for Ryan Otley. And honestly, I think while I love Simone DeMaio's page layouts and, and just everything about his work, it's really strong. There's something about Hilliard that I really enjoy. And um, I think he's just, 
he's like a Swiss army knife. He has it all. Like, like when you look at his layouts, his storytelling, I would say that that's probably what it is. I'm, I'm big into storytelling and Hilliard's storytelling is a lot stronger than uh, Simone de Mayo's. Next up is more of uh, I would say this is going to be Keith's stronger category, the writer. So we'll start with Yeri first, uh, favorite writer of 2021. Okay, I'm going to double up on this one. Uh, not only my favorite writer of 2021, but my favorite book. Uh, it's it's nonfiction, but I, I think especially, you know, even fiction writers would appreciate him. It was, I, I discovered Sebastian uh, Younger, who's, uh, he was a journalist. He made his uh, name by being embedded with soldiers in Afghanistan. He wrote a book called Freedom and Freedom is, first of all, his writing style has been described as sort of Hemingway-esque. I don't know if I would call it that. I personally don't love Hemingway. I'm not saying Hemingway's bad. I'm not saying you're wrong if you like Hemingway. It's just, I never really responded to Hemingway. I would say he's a little bit, a little bit more Cormac McCarthy. Uh, there's a little more kind of a poetry to his language. But in any case, uh, Freedom is a short book. It's about 150 pages, and it's about two things. It's about him uh, budding up with a couple friends and spending about a year walking the rail lines in the eastern part of the United States and just the experience of that. It's him and two guys, two other guys and a dog, and they're just living basically like hobos, just traveling the country. And it's in, interspersed with his stories of that adventure is musings on uh, the kind of balance between perfect individuality and freedom and codependence and community. Uh, now this sounds very heady, but it's, it's a topic, it's really not, like I said, it's a short book and it's punchy and he writes beautifully. And it's a topic I've always been interested in. I remember I had an anthropology professor in college who talked a lot about the fact at some point we decided as people that rather than live with just our families by the side of a river somewhere in the forest, we're going to band up in a community and we're going to give up some freedoms. We're going to not be able to do anything we want. We're going to have to maybe pay some taxes. We're going to have to, you know, acknowledge a government. We're going to have to do all these things. We're going to sacrifice some stuff for some payoffs. And that was an interesting topic to me, this idea of what are you giving up and what are you getting in return by being in a society, in a civilization? This is what Younger talks a lot about in this book, Freedom, this idea of like, you know, you're not perfectly free, but what are you getting in return? And is that worth it? And what's the exchange? And what are you giving up? And actually, what are the things that you're getting that you just are kind of magical and amazing, you know, compared to whether you were just like a caveman, you know, scraping out an existence in the forest somewhere. I just found it really interesting, beautifully written. It's a very good audiobook. It's also very good just read. I think he's a very interesting writer. I like all the stuff of his I've read, but if I had to pick one, if someone was like, just name me a book to start with, I would say, try freedom. Cool. Keith? I didn't realize that this was favorite writer as in prose as well. So I had a comic writer selected, but since we're talking about favorite writer, I'm going to I'm going to use that as my choice. Go ahead and my the board. Did I, I, would say, did... I would say go do both. Uh, go do both? Okay. So for, well, comics is, comics is pretty easy. It's Tinion. It's James Tinion. Um, because I, I discovered everything of his this year. So that one's really easy. Uh, Something is Killing the Children is awesome. 
Um, I think that's that's getting pretty close to like universally acknowledged as a modern classic kind of status. I imagine that's going to end up being a television show someday and everybody's just going to lose their mind even more, but it's an excellent comic. Um, just, just awesome stuff. I got my kid into it. She quotes it now as one of her favorite comics of all time. Um, and then of course, uh, something is killing the children. No, which um, Oh, Eden. Eden oh, okay. loves it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I, I got her because she likes the darker stuff. Um, so I, I gave it to her on an airplane and she read the two volumes and <laughs> for her to give an endorsement, like she just, she closed the second volume. She went, this is really good. That, that's like, that's like losing your shit level endorsement from her. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, wow, whoa, that's <laughs> you, you're really saying a lot. Um, and then you, you tack on the fact that nice house on the lake was really my favorite book of the year. I'm not a huge fan of Department of Truth, but as a third thing, I mean, it's, you know, it's good. Um, I don't like it as much as the other two. And I think it's got some things going on there, but, uh, but still, that's a pretty impressive body of work. So in terms of comics, it was Tinian uh, by, by uh, a substantial margin. And then in books, I discovered this author uh, named Matthew Bartlett. He, he did a book called Gateways to Abomination, which is transmissions from a strange radio station in Massachusetts. And it is actually the, the radio station itself. It is a strange, strange book. And it is also incredibly dark and nasty in terms of the horror there. Like there is some pretty vicious stuff in there. That is why I like Matthew Bartlett. I happen to, to think that Matthew Bartlett if you're trying to write horror and you're looking for stuff like strong language that you can use, he's the kind of author that, that I would pull when I'm like, let me just make sure my, my language is on the level here. He goes nastier than I would ever plan to. Cause there's some pretty gruesome stuff in there, but boo, it, it's, it's good. And we're talking about very short things, um, but they're still very worthwhile. He also did an incredibly short book called the witch cult of Western Massachusetts and it's these historical one-page texts. You can read the whole thing in an hour. And it's a one-page thing about this person, that person, that person, that person. So he kind of created his own small mythology about this thing, which does tie into gateways to abomination. Both books are really, really cool. Anybody out there trying to write horror that really wants to get gruesome, high, high, high recommendation. I, I love his stuff. And it is incredibly unsettling. Nice. Very cool. Um, okay, so on the other end of it, like where Keith said, this is probably the art is probably not his strongest uh, category. This probably isn't mine, but hey, we like what we like. So um, the the writer that I had that I thought had the strongest twenty twenty one for me personally was Mark Miller, and I know Mark has his detractors out there. Everyone thinks that he writes comics, basically scripts for TV or for movies. Like that's that's the uh, uh, plug on him that's the you know the note that people put on him i i don't find that to be true i enjoy a lot of his books there there might be a couple of series where i go yeah this might be a tv pitch but there's two series that he wrote this year that i really enjoy one i just shared with you guys not too long ago i think it was the other day a uh, king of spies number one just came out very strong first issue i really really do like this book um if you guys haven't read it yet uh, do yourselves a favor, go to your comic shop, your local comic shop. It should still be there. Uh, it just came out. The second issue is coming out in January. 
Um, as you listen to this, it is, I think, uh, December 27th. So hopefully it'll still be in your shop. If not, go online, maybe Midtown Comics or somebody has it, but more than likely it's going to be around. Check that book out. Another book that is really excellent, it is the second volume of the series. It is The Magic Order. The first series was drawn by Olivier Copiel, uh, who is an amazing artist. He originated out of the Wildstorm offices. He is fantastic. He continued to, devo- uh, to evolve over the years, and he is just a tremendous artist. So uh, go check out Magic Order. The second volume is by Stuart Immonen, uh, art by Stuart Immonen. Mark Miller obviously wrote both series. Uh, fantastic. I love them so much. Honestly, I think these are the strongest, strongest pieces of work that Mark Miller has ever done, in my opinion. I could be wrong, but to me, these, uh, and, and again, King of Spies is only on issue one, but man, that was a fantastic issue one. So uh, highest, highest praises for those two, two series. It was hard for me to leave out uh, Doug Wagner. Uh, Doug Wagner is the writer of vinyl, and I believe he was also the, the writer on Plastic. And so like Keith, when he discovered Daniel Warren Johnson, I went and I went when I discovered Daniel Hilliard, I'm like, what else is this guy drawn? I love his drawing. I discovered plastic. Doug Wagner also wrote that series. And I love I love both of these series. So he's a strong uh, runner up candidate for me. So uh, check out stuff by uh, Doug Wagner and uh, those two series by Mark Miller. Uh, Fantastic books. If so, you know, obviously, yeah, I went with a prose thing. If I had to pick a comic writer, I would go right back to Barry Windsor Smith for monsters. I would say like of all the comics I read, that was the writing that kind of blew my mind. It was uh, a story that just didn't feel. It felt I, I think you guys will understand. It felt like it was bucking conventions but not merely to buck conventions. Do you know what I mean? Like there was never a time when I was reading it and saying like, he's just trying to go against the grain, just like on principle. Like it just felt like he was forging his own path. And it was, it was, I thought it was very brave writing for a comic, so. Yeah, for you to say that you were emotionally invested and you're legitimately sad at the ending, that's not coming just from Barry Windsor Smith, the artist, that's coming from Barry Windsor Smith, the writer. 100%. 100%. Yeah, further to that, if there was a fake award called the Garys, then Barry Windsor Smith would be sweeping them right now. He would be collecting a whole lot of Garys. That's like right. It. That's right. And I'm sure he's I'm sure he's thrilled. I want to see a 3D Google SketchUp model of the Barry Award uh, pretty soon <laughs> on your social media, Gary. Or not the Barry, the Gary. The Gary. You know, Barry in, Windsor in, Smith, in, in, Gary. In, in Gary, that fun, for Barry. Yeah. In other fun uh, semi-drunk information, uh, I left out an entire category on the holiday episode. <laughs> but we were going on for a while, so whatever. It's all good. We'll save yeah, it. Yeah, there, there was two. Like one was a longer one and one was a shorter one. I'm like, oh, I guess yeah. we're just skipping that one, but it's okay. We, 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 yeah, I thought there were a few that we skipped. I'm glad. I'm, so I guess it wasn't the 9% beer. I guess we'll we save it. I mean, it was, it was my 9% beer. that's all okay so we might have touched base on this or at least you guys might have touched base on this the next category is books so this would probably be uh we write books is probably the pros and both of you guys have talked about pros so i'm interested uh gary the book that i would just default like i refer to my answer on sebastian younger with freedom like that was i'm that was a book that 
stuck with me. Um, and it's a book that I read, I really enjoyed while I was reading, but it's one that, and this sounds very, this sounds heavy, but it's true. It's a book that kind of changed how I thought about things. It's a book that I think about a lot ever since I've read it. So perfect. Yeah. That's great. Keith. Yeah. So I'm going to be quick. The book is my, my favorite book of the year, a book I read in one sitting because I was on a long flight at the time, is a book by Susanna Clark named Piranesi. It is Susanna Clark's second novel. She did a novel called Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, which I believe was either a series or option for a series 10, 12 years ago. The best way to describe it is I'm, I, I queued up the description here. Pier, uh, Piranesi's house is no ordinary building. Its rooms are infinite. Its corridors endless, endless. Its walls are lined with thousands upon thousands of statues, each one different from all the others. Within the labyrinth of halls, an ocean is imprisoned. Waves thunder up staircases. Rooms are flooded in an instant. But Piranesi is not afraid. He understands the tides as he understands the pattern of the labyrinth itself and lives to explore the house. If you like that, read the book. I, I was like, it, it, I will say, it took me a while to want to read this because I was like, Man, did I really like Susanna Clarke's first novel, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. It clocked in at over a thousand pages. This one's only like 200 some. It's much shorter. Eventually, I was like, you know what? Let me just get this. I'm I'm kind of in the mood for this. And I read it. I was like, Jesus, this is awesome. Yeah, just a textbook on great writing. Awesome shit. Nice. Jonathan Kent and Mr. Narwhal. Very cool. Okay. (laughs) Uh, For me, this is a bit of a cheat. So um, I am not a huge prose reader. And I haven't read this book yet, but I got it in the mail the other day. And that book is Monsters. <laughs> so this is, uh, I would consider this more of a book because it is a fucking giant, giant edition, hardcover edition. That was how it was originally released. It is not a collected graphic novel of single issues. It is one piece. Um, it is a giant fucking book. And uh, just going through the art itself uh, man, there's so many different techniques in there and you can see the emotion uh, with each character, uh, each page that you go through. I only got to flip through, I would say 60% of the, like it's that big. I was going through each page and it was like just going through the pages. I was only able to get to 60%, 60% of it. So it's just like, holy shit, I can't wait to read this and I can't wait to study the art more. So uh, I'm interested in that. So a little bit of a cheat there, but man, monsters, you are getting so much, so much attention, so many Gary awards. Crazy. Just sweeping, just sweeping. <laughs> TV show, the TV show that that caught your attention in 2021, your favorite show of 2021, Gary. So uh, I think it's too, what I kind of want to say, but it, I think it's too early because as, at the time of this recording, there's still a few episodes left in the season. I'm really enjoying Hawkeye. Like I really am. And I, uh, I have to admit a lot of the Marvel shows I've been just sort of, I I wouldn't say even lukewarm, but slightly better than lukewarm. They're fine. Like I'm enjoying them, but they're not driving me crazy. Hawkeye. I'm really excited each Wednesday to see like the latest episode. Now there's a few episodes left. And it might lose me, you know, I don't know. But so far, I'm really enjoying it. But since it's premature, perhaps, to name Hawkeye, 
I'll say a show I discovered my girlfriend turned me on to was Alone. I don't know if you've seen Alone, but no, it's a reality that. TV show, which normally I have no interest in. But they take people, they drop them out in some totally remote area. They're completely alone. It's not like Survivor where it's a band. They're all individuals, like out in the wilderness. It's kind of cool. They're allowed to pick 15 or 10 things off a list. And it's like you can pick fishing line, you can pick fire starter, you can pick a sleeping bag, stuff like this. And it's just who can survive out in the wilderness the longest. And the can you know, the the show moves through each person. It's not as artificially dramatic as a lot of those shows like Survivor and everything else. Like it and it shows like real survival things, like it's people trying to hunt deer or trying to make rabbit snares or trying to fish. Like and it's real I, it's not the kind of show I would have imagined I would have liked. I couldn't believe my girlfriend liked it, but she's like, you've got to watch alone. It's mesmerizing. I was totally obsessed. So it sounds like Nick, I think it's called naked and afraid, but similar, okay. similar. Yeah. They, they only get one thing each where here you get like 10 or something like that. Like 10 those? things. And, and the idea is like, how many days can you last? So like generally people are lasting like 60 or 90 days. Oh, they're shit. losing weight. Like it's, it's crazy, but it's, fascinating and it's crazy the debates with my girlfriend neither one of us like we don't even like camping but arguing about like which 10 things would you pick you know right. and like oh he's a dumbass to think he can get an elk you know i mean it's 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 a lot of fun <laughs> to watch i would recommend really strongly recommend alone it's pretty cool that's on netflix uh i think it's hulu Oh, Hulu. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry if you said that. Uh, the 10% is really kicking in here. I did not say that, but okay. I might have. I also am drinking a 10%. So Nice. All right. It's that kind of night. Keith, your t favorite show of 2021. So this is one of my punk ass categories. I watched four television shows this year. Three were Marvel shows. Marvel shows. I am also drinking. I have not, <laughs> I have not, I have not started Hawkeye. <laughs> In fact, I had no idea it had started. The fourth show is Squid Game, which is my favorite uh. show of the year. So sometimes you got to be Captain Obvious. Um, <clears throat> when I first... So Squid Game came out on a Monday. And by Tuesday, the world was in a tizzy over it. I read an article on Thursday about it, maybe even Friday morning. And when I read the article, I was like, holy shit, they made a show that that like tickles every sensibility of something I like. It's dark. It's violent as hell. And like, just, I mean, an insane amount of people die and it's, it's very, you know, uh, dystopian. And when I saw the one and a half minute trailer, I was like, Holy shit. Texted my wife. I'm like, you want to watch squid game? She was like, yeah, I've been hearing about it. So we watched the first two episodes on a Friday and then uh, it was actually, our, I think, our anniversary the next day. We had a nice lunch. Then we got home and, like, we were just alone. All the kids were out. We're like, well, let's watch a couple episodes of Squid Game. Yeah, try the rest. We ended up watching six and a half hours of Squid Game, gorging on it, which I rarely do. I just, again, I don't watch television. I, I do stuff. And television is one of the things I've sacrificed on that altar the final episode to me, like there's some things where if anybody wants to come up to me at a show and ask me, I'll, I'll gladly tell you. But uh, boy, for that first 8.2 episodes, it is just spun gold. I love it. Um, and yeah, that's my show of the year, man. It, it, you know, sometimes the hype is warranted. How, how excellent your two picks were, because honestly, my first reaction or my first instinct for this question was Hawkeye. I am really enjoying Hawkeye. 
Gary, for the very same reasons why you hesitated is why I hesitated. I'm like, as of right now, as we record this, there's only four episodes out. The fourth episode dropped uh, yesterday. I have not watched it yet. I've watched the first three, and man, I enjoyed those. Second would have been Squid Game. Fantastic series, Keith. I believe we even talked about it on here. Um, so since you guys mentioned two of my favorite shows of the year, um, I'm going to go with something that I discovered. It's not a brand new show. It's been around for two seasons. There was a holiday special, uh, which me and my girlfriend watched. And then we proceeded to watch out of order because the holiday. Uh, okay. The show's blown away. Do you guys know what this, this show is? It is. Oh, a, I'm unfamiliar. It is a artistic glass blowing show. It is fantastic. People create glass art and uh, it's a competition elimination show. So you get sucked in because they have X amount of hours to create whatever the subject is. You know, oh, it's holiday. The holiday one is obviously holiday themed. So it's just like, okay, uh, you know, draw or, or create a glass memory from your childhood. What is, what is your fi- favorite glass memory? Like, like, what is your favorite memory from the holidays and present that in glass? And so people, they do whatever they do, right? And so then the judges go, they go, they process, they go, okay, well, this is strong, this isn't, you know, and then it's based off of like imagery, technique, all of these things. And, uh, you know, it's much like comics. After a while, you see, you know, who's like, you can look at someone's piece and go, that's that person's piece, because they're, it's like a signature. It's like a, it's like a fingerprint. Like you can tell people's work after a while. So it's a really interesting show. Check it out. Blown away. It's on Netflix. There's two seasons and there is the holiday special, which is, I believe four episodes. Uh, fantastic, fantastic series. Oh, I'm writing it down. Cause I'm all about this. That sounds amazing. Oh so. man. It's so cool. Like I love it's, it's, it's art in just a different form. And it just makes you like, as an artist, you really appreciate what they're doing. And as someone that appreciates art, you know, you don't have to be an artist, obviously. If you like comic books, you appreciate art. So uh, everyone will really like this show. If you're listening to this podcast, you'll really like Blown Away. Go check that out. Um, next subject is movie. Favorite movie of 2021. Gary. So this is um, probably my weak area because I didn't see a lot of movies in 2021 because of I don't know if you guys heard about it. There's something about a plague or something like that. I, you know, I, I didn't go out to a lot of theaters. I think I saw all of two movies. I think I saw Shang-Chi and uh, The Green Knight actually in a theater. And of those two, I liked The Green Knight. Uh, I, I, I really enjoyed The Green Knight. It's not the best movie I've ever seen. It didn't blow my mind, but I did really, really like it. It's um, so the it stars Dev Patel, I think his name and Alicia Vikander and a few other people. It's beautifully shot. I mean, it's just an amazing movie to look at. The music is amazing. It's really interesting. The only thing I think that diminish. Oh, and I'm also just as an aside way like a comparative myth junkie. I love Arthurian lore, like all that. It's a King Arthur kind of movie. Like I thought it was just great. The only thing that diminished is, and this doesn't spoil, I don't think this spoils anything for anybody, but if you're worried, maybe fast forward 15 seconds. Um, it kind of, it's a story I've seen before. Like it, the, the, if very generally the premise is, what if the hero refused the hero path? What would his life look like? I've seen it done before and I've seen it done 
maybe in more enjoyable ways before, which diminished the impact of Green Knight. I liked it in The Last Temptation of Christ, which is a Martin Scorsese movie that I thought was fantastic. There was a Star Trek The Next Generation episode. I don't. I think it's called Tapestry, where it's a similar thing. Like uh, Jean-Luc Picard is killed and Q gives him the opportunity to go back and make some changes to his life. And it ends up not the way he hoped. If you're familiar with those, then you have a sense of kind of the premise of the Green Knight. Uh, and that's that the only thing that made it not a 10 out of 10 for me because I'd seen things like that. But it is still extremely good. I loved it a lot. It's a very good movie. So that's the one I would say for 2021. Nice. Keith? Okay, so for me, out of all these categories, I didn't watch that many movies either, but out of all these categories, if you said, like, which one of these things that we're talking about do you feel the strongest about? This is my answer. And the, and the movie is Tenet. I love Tenet. It is flawed. I get that. It has become my airplane staple. Every time I'm on an airplane and I've done my work, it's there. It's just, it's just, it's there waiting for me. Can I say something? I've been wanting to watch Tenet and I haven't because of comments you've made about it on past podcasts where you <laughs> said the dialogue uh, volume is basically shit. And unless you have a really good sound system, like you're going to have a hard time. And I've been waiting for a sound bar <laughs> to watch mm. Tenet. That's the only reason I've held off on Tenet. Okay. Well, number one, it's going to sound amazing when you get that sound bar because um, I think it's uh, Ludwig, Ludwig Gorenson does the, the soundtrack to it. And it's all electronic shit. His soundtrack is almost a character in the movie. It's that good. You can also just watch it with subtitles because that's another option too. We did that, I think, first with The Mandalorian and it was very helpful because you can just watch it, you know, and you're like, oh, that's what they were saying. So you can just throw subtitles on even though you're listening to it in English with Tenet. But uh, but yeah, I mean, Tenet, Tenet in, in many ways is a convoluted mess. But to quote my buddy Martin, and I talk about Tenet, we talk about Tenet a lot because we both love Nolan. It's a big swing. It is one of the biggest swings story-wise, direction-wise that a director can take. And, you know, is it a home run? Yeah. To me, it's like a 400-foot home run, but clearly Nolan was swinging for a 610-foot home run. You know, like just the biggest home run of all time. He fell short, but I love it. I've seen it at least five times, and I'm not sure it makes sense yet, but it makes more sense every time I see it. And one quick thing before I leave Tenet. It has, in my opinion, the best fight scene ever in a film where the lead character, I am going to spoil this. So again, another 30 seconds, if you don't want to hear it, he whoops the shit out of people in like a record time. And, and, if, and if you're still listening and you want to just watch this fight scene, look, I think it's on YouTube as I ordered my hot sauce an hour ago. That's that's the way the scene is listed. It is it is short. It is brutal. And it is incredible. He beats the shit out of dudes with like this efficiency and with this fury that you just do not see in fight scenes, man. He oh, so, so good. Anyway, so I, I love I just love Tenet. I love it. And uh, and I will I will ride so hard for it. Is this streaming somewhere? 
Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I'm so used to seeing it on a damn airplane and I, and I bought it. So for me, it's like, oh, okay. it's, it's, it's streaming in my house whenever I want it. <laughs> so. Okay, cool. Yeah. That sounds, well, honestly, I didn't know what kind of movie this is. I don't think I've ever seen a trailer to it. Yeah. Um, and, and honestly, when you've talked about it, I'm like, yeah, okay. And like, I've heard mixed reviews on it. So I was like, all right, I don't need to watch a mixed review movie right now. Um, yeah. But well, there was fighting in it. So you're, you're going to be a little be, more interested. <laughs> it's some fighting. It's some fighting. If, if you are interested, well then guess who is sharing a table next week, brother, you oh, and there me, you go. Yeah, and you're going to be true. staying at my place. So yeah. if, the, if the mood, if the mood strikes you, it's, it's here waiting. Yeah. Excellent. Um, okay. So my favorite movie, uh, Gary actually mentioned it is Shang-Chi. So honestly, when I first watched it in the theaters, I was like, yeah, it was good. It was good. It was cool. Like there wasn't, like, I think I saw reviews online where everyone was completely blown away and they were saying it was their favorite movie of 2021. And so maybe the hype got to me. So when I watched it, I was like, yeah, it's fine. Like, it's cool. It's kind of standard Marvel movie. Um, I ride hard for uh, Asian led movies. Like I'm a big fan of that. Uh, any movies that have Asian characters, uh, actors in it, I'm, I'm a huge, huge supporter of that. Um, but ever since it's been streaming on Disney plus, I'm like, Oh, I'll throw, I'll throw Shang-Chi on. And I watch the whole fucking thing. Like, instead of it just being in the background, I end up watching the movie. So like, like with Keith, the more he watches it, the more he gets out of it. I find that I'm doing the same with Shang-Chi. It's like, the more I watch it, the more I enjoy it. And there's more things I'm pulling from it. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it is, it is pretty standard Marvel movie. I think, uh, my original criticism, not honestly, no, not criticism. I don't think that's fair. I, it was, I wasn't criticizing for it. It was just something I was like, well, maybe it should have had a little more of this. So where Black Panther, when you watch Black Panther, you go, okay, this has this Afrofuturism to it, which is so amazing. And uh, like, they really put a lot of thought into that. And I was like, I wonder if they're going to do that with Shang-Chi. And it's just like, well, that's kind of not the culture though. I think that movie depicted that perfectly you know with with the main character with sean it was just like yeah he did this hard work and like uh even the sister you know she was ignored but she's going to show you with her hard work you're not going to train me guess what i'm going to train myself and and so there's there's that element to it where uh it's just it's different it was different than i initially expected but then after thinking about it, i'm like no this is the perfect amount and then you get that great fight scene at the end where it's just like, okay, you get the, you know, you get the dragon coming out of the water. And so, you know, you get that Chinese culture, uh, you know, put into there and it's just fantastic. I, I love the movie and uh, I love it the more I watch it. I have to say, like, as someone who's experiencing a little bit of Marvel fatigue, I really did enjoy Shang-Chi. Shang and I thought it was one of the better Marvel movies in forever you know i really i thought it was very strong and hands down like off the top of my head i can't think of a better villain other than maybe thanos you know i mean it was just i really was all about like that the you know the bad guy quote unquote in shang chi who i found very sympathetic and interesting and like uh i i was just totally riveted by him um and i have to say as someone who came of age watching like a lot of bad kung fu movies and wire fu movies and all that 
just alone i can watch that first 15 minutes a thousand times where they're doing kind of the history of quote unquote the mandarin it's like this is i want a whole movie of this like this is amazing but the yeah. the whole movie was great it, it really was it was close for me you know i think green knight edged it out for me but i really did like shang chi i also loved shang chi uh, every other member of my family named that as their favorite episode in fact when was it? I think it was a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about this episode that we were doing and we had the idea. We just spent an hour at Starbucks going through all these categories and it was every other member of my family's favorite film, Shang-Chi. Nice. Uh, so that was my first thing. My second thing was, correct me if I'm wrong, but to, to call back something that was in a recent episode that Gary brought up in chat, is there or is there not a throne sit at the end? There's two of them. There's two <laughs> throne sits. So uh, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. Uh, Shang-Chi's uh, dad, the, the, let's just call him the Mandarin. Um, he, he did the throne sit and it was the same thing. They conquered, they conquered, uh, uh, you know, a territory or whatever. Uh, they murdered the king or whatever. And then he sits on the throne. Um, and this is actually, so, so we brought up uh, Keith and I. We brought this up in the in the you know two episodes ago with the throne sit, and uh, so Gary had brought up you know the the his despise for the end of uh, the Mandalorian episode with Boba Fett. Yeah, and uh, go ahead, Gary. You take it away. I'll let you explain more. Well, yeah, I think there are good and bad throne sits. I actually will allow the Mandarin throne sit because there were a bunch of people in front of him. Like that made sense. I absolutely will not allow the 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 Mandalorian throne set when Fett sits on the throne, and I, I can't remember Ming Na's character Ming Na's character's name, but you know his his number two basically. She's like just behind him and to the to the right. They're both staring straight ahead, and as a died in the wool Star Wars fan, I know the layout of Jabba's pal- palace. There is nothing in front of them. So they're just sitting and staring at a blank wall. It's very awkward and stupid and cringy. Like, right. yeah, like that is not, I do not allow that throne sit. Right. I also don't allow the throne sit in Revenge of the Sith where you, Yoda comes in to confront Palpatine. Palpatine is sitting there with his number two and they're just, he's just sitting there grinning like a lunatic staring straight ahead at his desk. It's so dumb. It's yeah. so ridiculous. I do like the one uh, uh, in... <laughs> in uh robot chicken where they they have emperor palpatine there and someone walks in and he's talking to someone and he says then i threw the senate at him no i mean the whole senate <laughs> right? right anyway right. great great guy uh, the uh yeah i would say the only thing allowable in that scene would be if there was a dancing green girl with the two tentacles on her head like if they were just watching her dance like i think that would be the been the perfect pan out that would be cool. Or if you had some smuggler and carbonite hanging on the wall in front of you. Okay. Right. Sure. More importantly, hopefully people have drank at least six times because we did. It. <laughs> we may, we did it. I, I think we may have done it before. And oh, so believe me. To it. Yeah. I can tell the audience at home I'm loaded and not even yeah. because of the Star Wars references. So. Yes. It's excellent. Uh, yeah. The throne sits in Shang-Chi were uh, perfectly fine because when the Mandarin took over, there were people, you know, working their katas and, and sparring and everything. So he is watching them. And the same thing at the end with the sister. She was also watching her new kingdom and she was watching everyone train. So uh, nothing wrong with that. That's a OK. I think the, I will take another, issue with that, but that's fine. I, I, I'm, I think I'm a, here. 
I think another uh, throne sit that I'll allow, but also had nothing going on. It was uh, Conan a long time ago. Conan, end scene where he uh, is resting on the throne and I don't know, he's just doing the throne sit and there's nothing going on. But I, That's a good deep cut. That's a yeah. good one. Yeah. 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 It was cool. Yeah, it's it's cool enough to somehow counterbalance the fact that there's nothing in front of him and it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so the next category is uh, music. Let's go to music. Uh, I'm going to talk about Wet Leg. If you're not familiar, you will be. They're kind of like, they're getting a lot of buzz, a lot of momentum, and their first album comes out in April. Wet Leg is a British band. Uh, they're kind of a post-punk band. Um, I remember when they were introduced to me, a friend of mine sent me one of their videos and said, like, look, music can be fun. And it, that is the best way to sum it up. It is catchy and funny and a little dirty and a little silly. And their videos are fantastic. For anyone interested in Wet Leg, which, again, you're going to be hearing about Wet Leg this is the hipster, hipster play I'm going to make right now. Get in right now at the ground floor on Wet Leg. Uh, but go find, go to YouTube, look for Wet Dream by Wet Leg. There you go. Chase Long is another fantastic one too. But I think Wet Dream, if you watch that video, you'll see what Wet Leg is all about. They're fantastic. Again, post-punk, though to me, we'll see what you think when you listen i hear a little bit of like surf rock or something in the electric guitars it's it's just a fun catchy really cool band i'm very it's the first once in a while i think anyone who listens to music can appreciate this there's music you find you enjoy it you listen to it you consume it it's great but every once in a while you'll hear a song you'll hear a band where you're like that tickles me in just the right spot. There is something about that where that is one of my now all time, like on the first hearing, you're like that just, there's something about that that does it for me. Wet Leg did it for me. And I think it'll do it for a lot of people too. And it's going to seem very cliched in about six months. But like I said, get in now. Wet Leg, Wet Dream, Chase Long. You'll love it. Okay. Rock on. Live, live free, die hard. Yeah. Uh, Keith. For me, it's going to be about what Spotify said, because I can, I can say it, but I feel like the, the truth is in the numbers. And since I just got my Spotify wrapped, I'm just going to restate those. My song of the year, which I listened to a ton is by run the jewels. And it was called, it's called just with the S as a dollar sign. Anybody who listens to run the jewels or likes run the jewels, run the jewels uh, is amazing. And just uh, is probably known for its chorus, which is look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar, which is amazing. Uh, it's so good. All the verses are good, including Zach De La Roca's verse on it, where he comes back and just spits rage against the machine level fury and has one of the coolest rhymes I think I've heard where, he, again, it's, it's got that whole uh, uh, vowel thing going on. And he says, a shooter's view as a pruder flick, which is fucking sick. That's just yeah. such a dope ass lyric. So just by run the jewels was my most listened to song. When I shared it with my family, one of the, one of the kids, Alyssa, I think she posted just fuck. Yeah. As like the song that like, all right, we did it. You did it. Um, so that's that. And then uh, because uh, 
people who listen probably know I go all over the place. The band that I listened to the most was a band I rediscovered and a band that uh, people who have listened to the podcast all year can trace back to what triggered this rediscovery, which was a trip to Richmond, Virginia, when I found out that the band Gwar had a goddamn restaurant. And that triggered a renewed love affair with Gwar. So I had listened to Gwar's first couple albums, then ignored them for a while. It turned out they made some brutal, amazing records. So I listened to 1,045 minutes of Gwar this last year, which put me Mm -hmm. in the top 0.5% of their listeners. So, uh, so I am, I am a gore diehard. Of course, I have seen gore a couple of times live. Gore is amazing. They are kiss on crack, as I think Scott mentioned way back in the year. So yeah, those, those are my two numbers. Don't lie, man. That's, that's what the stats said. That is amazing that you're naming gore in 2021. I love it. I love everything about it. That's fantastic. I really should not, I should have thought this through. I shouldn't have gone after Keith because Keith is a music head. So, um, Mine's going to seem super weak and super weird on top of that. Uh, So my favorite thing from 2021, I've mentioned before, I listened to a lot of Blackpink. The newest thing in 2021, uh, Lisa from Blackpink, she released two singles, La Lisa, which is her uh, legit name. That's her shoot name. Uh, That song is fantastic. And then she followed up with Money, both released on the same day. One was La Lisa was advertised more and then Money was uh, uh, advertised a little bit after. Both fantastic. Money is more of an American style uh, hip hop hit. So, you know, like if you're into if you're into a pop and hip hop, like I would say I would say pop. It's more of a poppy, uh, whatever Megan the Stallion is, it's something like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, or yeah, like Rihanna. It's very Rihanna-esque. So uh, if you like stuff like that, listen to Lisa Money. And then La Lisa is kind of, it's very Blackpink-esque, but it's just solely her. And uh, I really enjoy both of those songs. So, yeah. All right. We're going to move along. I think I'm the only Blackpink fan in the room, so it's fine. Uh, <laughs> I believe my, my, uh, my opinions on K-pop have been stated. Yes, we've, we've spoken about it. <laughs> I'm unfamiliar, but I will check them out. But Excellent. I don't, yeah. uh, Gary, I'll send, it, I'll send it in the chat. so you guys I will send you some wet leg videos. Oh, I would so. love it. Yeah, I, and in fairness, too, remember that I live in like a, a cube of K-pop fans, and it makes me want to throw things because... <laughs> Yeah, anyway. It's just just all the time. It's just all the time. It's just all the time. I get it. I get it. All right. And the last category that we have, and it's only appropriate for the Making Comics podcast, we started off with comics on this list today. We're going to end with beer. Your favorite beer, your favorite discovered beer of 2021. Well, I, you know, it pains me to have to name this one because... Uh, you're not going to be able to get it. You might. If you find a really good liquor store near you, if you dig around, you might be able to find it. But I'm a big, I went through my craft beer phase. Like I, I had, there was a bunch of years where I was way into it. I never brewed my own, but I was everything short of that. My go-to brewery was Dogfish Head. I loved anything they did. And uh, I still, to this day, when they put out a new beer, I go and check it out. The one that I went and got a few months ago was Costumes and Karaoke. It was their kind of, they, they did some kind of honorarium to karaoke. Um, and I'm going to read their little quote. Taking inspiration from the traditional Indian beverage, quote, golden milk, 
This imperial cream ale is brewed with an oat cream base using a spice blend that includes a complex mingling of vanilla beans, ginger, turmeric, star anise, cardamom, and cinnamon. It's an 8%. I loved it. Problem is, Dogfish does like these weirdo beers. They'll do it for a few months and then they'll never do them again. So that's why if you're interested in that, if that sounds like something that'd be up your alley, really go to a well-stocked liquor store that might have a ton of stuff. Maybe they still have some in the back, but it's, it's not something they're currently brewing. But that was my favorite for the year. Keith? I drank a lot of hazy IPAs this year. But as many as I enjoyed, they were all sort of the same. So I can't really recommend one because there were, you know, 12 that I liked. I mean, um, the nice thing about this episode so far is that the more people have listened to the podcast through the year, the more they can probably predict where we are going with this because almost everything we are mentioning here, we have mentioned on previous podcasts, which is really cool. Um, so for example, like Adroit Theory makes, they basically just make a series of beers in, in a line and they're all amazing. They, they switch up the recipe a little bit, but because of that, I can't pick one. It's just the whole series is good. Everything they make in terms of like lactose laced hazy IPAs is good. So I actually went with a recent pick and this is a dangerous pick because I only drank five ounces of it. But I was completely blown away by it. And it is Birthday Vibes by Harland, which is the beer that I texted Scott about where Daniela had to say, like, no, Keith is actually like a tenth of a mile from you because we're both at one Paseo right now. This is that beer. It is a stout with a birthday cake flavor in it. Look, there are plenty of stouts, including the one that I'm drinking, that are laced with something. And they're all pretty good. You know, okay. they, they, Hey, um, you know, like this one, right. The bark Griswold, like white chocolate, peppermint bark stout, but stout should be in like a 100 point font. And the other thing should be in a 10 point font. It, 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 it's a beer first and foremost. And then there's these other trace elements that work in many cases, but they don't blow you away in terms of their flavor. Birthday vibes by Harland blew me away. I was just, and, and again, I think you have to be a confetti cake fan to really enjoy this stout, but I happen to be a confetti cake fan. So it was incredible. Um, I don't know if I'll ever get a chance to get it again and, and look at Gary and I both mentioning beers that no one has any goddamn shot of even sampling. So you'll, you'll have to take our word for it. Just making them jealous. Just making yeah. them really jealous. Yeah. I was going to say, Gary, uh, your beer selection, it's probably going to fall in line with mine and Keith's because the, these, companies they do these specialty beers because i i found out speaking to someone that worked at a brewery or knew someone that worked at a brewery the reason why these certain beers are so select and for a limited time is because they actually cost more to make so that's why you get some of these beers where you're going to pay you know 50 bucks for a four pack and uh uh, you're like, why the fuck does it cost so much? It's because just, costs- you know, hypothetically, yeah. Shots fired, Gary. For a four pack. <laughs> hypothetically, if someone paid yeah. $50 for a four pack, it's yeah. because it costs so much more to make per bottle. Do I need to tell this story now? Now that you basically you've kind of like you fronted a little bit. Well, let, rolled let, up let on Scott, let bit. Scott share his beer. Of yes, beer let's hear we'll that. And then I'll share my tale of shame and woe. 
Uh, I don't think you should be shamed by it. I think it was a fantastic choice uh, for you to do what you did. I'm okay with it. All right. Ain't, ain't so, no shame in your game. I'm ain't no you. shame in your game. Okay. So there was a couple of things. Um, this is a comics podcast, but if you've listened to this podcast for its entirety, you know that we talk about beer every episode. And so uh, one of the beers that were brought up this year was Attitude Brewing Mamba Mentality. That was a gift from Keith for my birthday uh, back in June. And so I had to put that on there for one, it's a Kobe beer and uh, two, it's a Kobe beer and three, it's a Kobe beer. And four, I actually enjoyed it. I thought it was strong. So I was like, hey, it's got Kobe on it. And uh, uh, it was actually a pretty decent beer, unlike the beer I had last episode, which was a, a shitty malt. So <laughs> uh, that was something I, uh, that was one I just wanted to bring up. I really enjoyed that one. So if you got that somewhere near you, go give go give that a look and and uh, uh, check it out. Uh, something. OK. One of my buddies. And, and that's going to be the number one. I'm actually, let, let me rewind. All right. So I did a beer tasting event with my family. Uh, I got a lot of beer drinkers in my family. We decided, hey, let's all bring three beers each. Uh, something we've never tried or something you enjoy or something uh, that you think other people haven't tried. Let's all bring two to three beers and uh, we'll taste them all. We'll go through. We're going to really sip them, taste them talk about them then we'll move on and uh we did it it was fantastic everyone brought brought beers that a lot of beers that i've never tasted before and we got a lot of good beers we had a couple of bad beers and so i went back to that post i'm like all right if this is the best year uh, best beer of 2021 which were my favorite beers we actually at the end of the night we ranked them we're like these were and we voted we're like all right we everyone get a vote you get three votes what is your favorite beers and so the number two beer of the night was, it was a, sorry, it is, I thought I had it loaded. It's a Via Vanilla. It is first a full circle brewing company, and it is a milkshake IPA. So that was the runner up for that night. It was, it was an amazing beer. I really enjoyed it. Uh, one of the winners of the night, it was by Eagle Brewing, uh, Eagle Brewery. Banana bread beer. Man, that was a fantastic beer. The vanilla was, was really good, and that was fantastic. But the thing that I forgot when I was creating this list, I went back and I saw these posts. I was like, these are the two beers that I loved this year. What stirred that all up? It was an episode. I, we covered this in an episode. One day, I had an amazing beer from Harland, a craft beer. It was limited edition, unavailable, so expensive to make. It was from Harlan Brewing, the unofficial uh, uh, beer sponsor. of the podcast. Sponsor yeah. of the podcast. It was a Ube Milkshake IPA. So that is my beer of 2021 is Harlan Brewing Ube Milkshake IPA. I will probably never have it again in this lifetime, uh, sadly. Um, but man, if, if you guys somehow have this like limited edition uh, pass to harlan brewing and they make it again and you get it you send me a can you send it PO it's box. the least you can do it's the, the least, fucking you, can least do. you can do yeah. we give you a free episode every week the least you can do send me and keith beer p.o box 881-551 san diego california 92168 think of all the free entertainment you've gotten 
They yeah, never asked right. for anything other than we, a subscription. Just send exactly. them a goddamn beer. Exactly. Ask. Exactly. Buy our yeah. comics, give us beer. Yeah, I mean, that that really set both of us on a path because after you did that, and then that was when I got the serendipity of Ube Wan, which is awesome, which is quite good. Um, it's, you know, it may not be as legendary as that in your mind, but that's the problem too. The problem is when you drink these limited edition beers and you never get to drink them again, there's this rarity that plays in your head of like, ooh, it was rare and that makes it good. And then there's the fact that you can never get it again. Uh, the the McRib is very similar to this because I am I am part of McRib Nation. So when I knock back that first McRib after the eleven month layoff, I'm like, oh my god, this was so good. And then it goes away, you know. And, and then and then you get that eleven months to build up, like the holy shit, man, I'm gonna be able to have a McRib in a little bit. It's funny just to call back to the Christmas episode. I refuse to listen to John Lennon's Happy Xmas War Is Over outside of December. It's kind of like a McRib phenomenon. I don't want to mm-hmm. spoil it. Like, I want to yep. keep it special. I will not listen to that song as much as I love it outside of December. So. Yep. Uh, totally. I, I will say, though, um, when I had the Harland, I didn't know it was limited edition. I didn't know it was hard to get. Uh, my buddy gave it to me because he has the subscription to it. And uh, he goes, oh, hey, here. Yeah, here. You can have one of these. And I was drinking it. And I said, this is the best beer I've ever had. This is the only beer that I want to drink like ever now. This is all I want. Where, where can I get more of this? And uh, him and another one of our friends that also has a subscription, they're like, good luck. That's a limited edition beer. They don't make a lot of it. They don't sell this in the store. And I'm like, but it's the best beer. Why would they not make more of this beer? And they're like, we don't know. It's just limited edition. You can't ever get it. And I, and I was very sad. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's my my sales pitch for this beer that doesn't even need one. Like, it's so amazing that this is the only beer I ever wanted to drink, not knowing I could never have it again. Well, and that's that's what's interesting about how Ubi one Ube one works. That that was, I think, intended to be a limited edition beer. But I mean, that might be the difference between Brewyard, who does Ube one and Harland who just cycles through all these beers, Brewyard realized they had a hit on their hands. Now Ube Wan, I think, is rather widespread. I know that it was available and might still be at the Seafood City close to you, like four miles away where my kid is going to school. My wife tells, tells the tale of how I almost, I basically kind of knocked her over because I saw it on the shelf <laughs> and I was like, oh shit, they have this. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, all, all's fair in love and, and beer getting. Wait apparently apparently i thought it was going to disappear through an interdimensional portal before i put my hands on it so wait a minute your kid goes to school at seafood city my yeah <laughs> yeah they they have law degrees there it's like what is that degree movie idiocracy yeah yeah, like, yeah you could specialize in descaling or uh... totally totally <laughs> totally so yeah anyway but yeah i mean ube one is now i think a staple of seafood cities in the southern california area so you never know man maybe maybe that ube milkshake will show up again someday god i hope so all right uh all right gary where can they find you online uh you know before i say that i just wanted to bring something up a few episodes ago you guys were kind enough to have me on and i had some harsh words about ranch dressing people (laughs) oh yes I, i i really just laid into the ranch dressing people these people you all know these people they're at a restaurant and everything needs a side of ranch every time. What do you time. mean these people? 
Scott and I were sharing our love of Jack in the Box tacos. And Scott said, you haven't really, I'm going to paraphrase. Tell me if I'm overstating this, Scott. You haven't really lived until you've had a Jack in the Box taco with ranch dressing. I'd say that's fair. I mean, that's almost verbatim. Yeah. Because I respect him. Because I respect his opinion, despite my strong feelings about ranch, I decided to go and check this out. Decided to hit the Jack in the Box drive-through, get some, get some tacos, and unlike every other time, I've gotten Jack. Or am I still on? Yeah. Oh no. You're good. No, no, he just left. Oh, really? I still see. Oh, uh, I'm no. here. I'm back. Oh, okay. You yeah. Okay. I'm gonna you start. So decided to go to Jack in the Box. Unlike every other time I've been to Jack in the Box getting tacos, I always get tacos at Jack in the Box. You can't go to Jack in the Box without getting two tacos for 99 cents. Mm-hmm. Got two tacos, and for the first time in my life, I said, and it was tough for me. It was real tough for me. I said, please add a side of ranch. And they did. Came home. I dipped, and I thought, I, I opened, it's a whole, like, it's a whole, like a, like a tub of ranch. Yeah, it's a lot it's a little- of ranch. <laughs> yeah and i was thinking like oh this is all gonna go to waste like this is terrible like I, i'm gonna dip it once and be like all right that's all right and then i'm not gonna use it and i'm gonna have this tub of ranch in my trash did it look i'm a man i i like i'm not i don't have any pride i freely admit it's pretty fucking phenomenal i'll just say that i'll just say that right now jack and box tacos with ranch are pretty great so to the Hidden Valley Ranch people out there, I might have offended with my comments. <laughs> You're still trash. I don't care. I'm going to go down in flames. I don't whatever. <laughs> You're still terrible people. But ranch with a Jack in the Box taco is legit. Okay, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you. I'm oh, glad you he doubled down, people. He doubled. That's right, down. doubling down. So. Well, uh, yeah, you're kind of selling me on Jack in the Box tacos, which I haven't had in like ten years, and oh, dude. clearly oh, I've never had with ranch dressing either. I mean, they're if good. you're saying this is only going to cost me like a dollar seven, yeah. How can I? How can I not be in? How, yeah, how, how can fuck you can not? I not be in on this? Yeah. Get get a couple tacos, get some curly fries, get some ranch dressing. You'll be set. If you go after nine, you can get a heart attack special. You can get a, uh, they're called uh, munchy meals. They're aimed at stoners. Yeah, drunky stoner meals. Exactly. They have one. It's a heart attack special. It is a chicken sandwich with bacon, two kinds of cheese, and I believe tater tots on top of it. It's like like the the chicken tater melt. And they give you two tacos and they split French fries and curly fries. Yes. And it's like $6. It's it's yeah. insane. It's way too much food. Their but stoner yeah. meals are hilarious. They're like, because you can tell it's very much just like, what kind of crazy things do we have left over at the end of the night? Let's cobble them together into a box and a sandwich. It's, yeah, it's for, amazing. Yeah. For people so around the world that aren't familiar with Jack in the Box and catering to stoners, I first became aware when I, I moved out here and maybe it may have even been before there's a hilarious ad out there that you might be able to find where a person, a stoner is in the drive-thru. And this is before all of their stoner meals that by the way, aren't even available until like after nine or after 10 or what Scott said. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's one where a stoner is like in the drive-thru and he's like, Hey, what should I get? And there's like a Jack in the box on his dashboard, uh, Jack in the box mascot. And all of a sudden he comes to life and he says, you should get 
the 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 two tacos for 99 cents they're delicious and they're whatever and then the stoner guy's like wow that's amazing how many should i order and i don't know if you guys remember this but the little jack in the box on the dashboard goes 40 <laughs> I, love, I love that commercial man it's so good anyway yeah that's amazing i haven't yeah i remember it but i i'll i'll youtube it yeah yeah it's it's incredible oh, so good all right. Well, that was another amazing episode. This is our. This is going to be our annual year-end episode. So expect this every December. Uh, we're going to go through our list of favorites of whatever that year is and what we've discovered. So uh, thank you guys for listening. Gary, where can they find you online? They can find me at YouTube uh, under my name, Gary Hodges. You'll know you found me if the profile picture is a cartoony tyrannosaur gobbling up an alien. Or you can find me on Instagram. Instagram has all my links to other places. It's dinosaurs vs. Marsbots. Dinosaurs versus Marsbots. Yeah, for me, you can find me on Instagram at Keith underscore decibel and Kadoja Kaiju, which is all one word. Both of those, I, I do my best to maintain them both. And then in terms of websites, it is KeithRFoster.com. I'm going to be updating that as we get closer and closer to the launch of three protectors, adding some music stuff and adding some Kadoja stuff as well. And you can find uh, me on social medias, Twitter and Instagram at Scott lost S C O T T L O S T and facebook.com forward slash Scott lost. You can find my comics second shift, a tale of minimum wage workers during the day and superheroes at night and wanders of Melisanda anthropomorphic dinosaurs versus humans a thousand years in the future. Humans start colonizing other planets and come across the planet Melisanda, where the meteor never hit and the dinosaurs of that world survived and evolved. So two dominant species trying to coexist on one planet. Does that work? It never works. Uh, people suck and they're going to start wars and so are the other peoples, whatever the peoples are of that world. So, uh, yeah, that's where all that stuff is. Also, don't forget making comics podcast at gmail.com. If you have any issues with things that we've said, what Gary said about ranch, uh, you can hit us up there, making comics <laughs> podcast at gmail.com. Uh, uh, Keith, what about uh, reviews? Yeah. So if, if you want to do us solid, go on to Apple Podcasts and throw us five stars. It only takes a minute or two. Even if you want to write some comments on top of it and talk about how, you know, give us five stars, but then mention that whenever Gary's on, he just goes on rants against ranch dressing. And I love ranch dressing and Gary can burn in hell. Um, and in fact, if you do that verbatim, I'd find it pretty exciting personally. I think we all would. I would too. Yeah, oh, frankly. Say, Actually, I'll be disappointed Gary. if you don't say that. Yeah, yeah. So again, just, you know, rewind it and then feel free to just chop that in there, drop it in there, throw us five stars while you're at it. It really does help. It helps tweak the algorithm and it helps get more people into this process podcast of ours. That's perfect. All right, we're going to end the episode like we always do. Gary, give us the noise to end it off. <laughs> what do noise it, am I giving to the, end it the, off? The, the noise we do after at the end of every episode, you know. <laughs> no, I don't know. You what? don't? What? You don't Shameful. know the... Keith? What? Yay, yay. Oh, is that what that's... that's...
I'm a dogfish geek. I, I, any dogfish head beer that comes out, I'm kind of curious about. And in uh, picking my beer of the year list, I was I wanted to confirm that costumes and karaoke was not available anymore. So I went to the website and I was like, okay, it's no longer there. But I looked at what is available right now. And I saw it was, I pulled up the name. Let me just make sure I've got it right here. It's Utopia's Worldwide Stout, I think. Yes, Utopia's Barrel Aged Worldwide Stout. And here's the description. I'll just, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but the result is a jet black, rich and roasty beer with a balanced note, balanced notes of espresso, cocoa, sherry, and vanilla. That, first of all, before we even go any further, right up my alley. I love stouts, I love dark beers. But now, the kicker that clocks in at 17.3% ABV. That's nuts. Just like, what the fuck does that even mean? I read this shit and I was like, I I want that. Where do I find that? So I, they have a locator on their website. So I was like, where do I find that shit? There was like four liquor stores in the whole valley. And I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. And the only one that was sort of convenient was kind of on my way home. So it's like, I'm swinging by there. I'm finding that. I go by there. I'm rooting through the store. I find that it comes in four packs. You can't get singles. You can't get any other denomination. Four packs. I find the four packs in the cold case. Pull one out. Price tag on the top, $49.99. I was like, that's bullshit. That can't be right. That can't be right. So I, I pull that one out, grab the one behind it, pull that one out just to see, like, let me see what that, $49.99. And I'm sitting there in disbelief. Right then, the owner, the guy, or I don't know if he's the owner, the guy who was behind the counter, he appears behind me, (laughs) probably because I'm handling these four packs that are worth their weight in gold, you know, just to make sure I'm not going to run out the door with it. That he appears behind me and he's like crazy, right? And I was like, like $49.99? And and he was like, yeah, $12.50 beer. I was like, do you sell singles? He's like, no, no, we don't do singles. And I was like, he was like, I'm, and now he starts doing his pitch. And I, I hear it for the pitch. He's like, one of the only places in town that has it. I'm one of the only places. I ordered a case. It cost me $250 to get a case, just a small case. And like, but I'm one of the only people. And I was like, well, I saw that. I looked on the website and I was interested in it, but I didn't know it was $50. And he's like, well, here, let me show you something. Maybe you'll like this one. He walks me over to the Horchata Yeti. He's like, this one's 10%. This one's only $11 a can. But you can get so I was like, well, that does sound pretty good. Like, oh, okay, cinnamon, vanilla beans. I like horchata. Yeah, okay, that sounds pretty good. But he sees me, and I'm keep my eyes keep drifting over to that four pack, and he's like, let me tell you what, tell you what, buddy, you buy the four pack, I will throw in the yeti, and that's the gentlest nudge I needed to go right over the cliff. I was like, deal, deal. All right, all right. So I spent sixty dollars on five beers, five beers, four worldwide stouts, the Utopia's worldwide stout, barrel-aged worldwide stouts, 17% alcohol that are in my fridge. And now also the Yeti, which I've been drinking tonight, which has gotten me thoroughly drunk. Uh, are they, are they sellerable? Yes. In fact, it says on, it says age as well. Dogfish Ooh. head is one of the ones that will tell you, I forgot what the alcohol, the, there's an ABV number when I was more into that world, I remember what it was, but there's a number where if it's above that, you can, yeah, seller it and it supposedly gets better. So, and so let's, 
go ahead. No, go ahead. So let's say theoretically, you uh, don't want to drink all those beers. <laughs> and you think to yourself like, wow, you know where I'm going, right? Yeah. Wow, if I could only sell her this and wait until, oh, I don't know, a couple podcast hosts come to town five months from now, six months from now. <laughs> you just, well, just know that's an option. That's an option. I'm very, not I'll, only I'll I, buy one off you. Yeah, I mean. I'm extremely the, open to that. But look, I'm going to put it to you guys. If you know there's a Phoenix trip in your future, I will happily save three bottles, one for you, one for you, one for me. Or if you're not sure when a Phoenix trip is happening, I've never shipped beer before, but I can wrap it in a, wrap it in a shitload of bubble wrap and send you each a bottle. Because I'll be honest, as thrilled as I was to get my hands on a four pack of this ridiculous beer, <laughs> I don't know how many years it's going to take me to drink four 18% alcohol beers. Like it's absurd. Like, what am I going to do with that? So if you guys are interested and you don't know when you're going to be here, I will ship you each a bottle. If you know you're going to be here maybe in the next year, I will hang on to it earmarked for you guys and we'll share them together. Phoenix Fan Fusion is May 27th to the 29th. Okay. Scott and I are already tabling there, as yeah. are you. If are I you signed right. up? Yeah, yeah, dude. We, we, like, we, we were signed, signed up, up before, uh, before COVID. the pandemic. Yeah. Well, yeah, man. Then I think I'm gonna hang on to the, I'm gonna hang on to three. I'm gonna dr I'm gonna split one with my girlfriend. That will leave us three, and those that three is for us. And you that can even a... are they normal size? Are they twelve ounces or yeah. how big are these? I'm sorry, I can go grab oh, one right now to show you. But yeah, they're normal. They're normal size. Oh okay. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're, we'll, uh, we're driving. You're here in to drink too. my beer. Like you're here. You're like you're here to help me out. We're driving yeah. too. We're driving in too. So we'll bring you some shit. You'll you know? yeah, to totally. the team and drink a a. a Twelve dollar fifty cent beer for me. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. yeah I mean, I'll, again, I'll pay for it. You don't have yeah, to feel we'll take, like you're. Yeah, we'll take you charity. Out for no, 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 no. I refuse. I would never accept any money for it. In fact, I would be delighted to. That would be payment. This sounds flowery, but in the spirit of the holidays, I would be delighted to share these beers with you guys at the new place. Oh. it would be great if we could all hang out and share like a stupidly strong beer like Absolutely. that would be great memorial yeah, memorial it. day 2022 unless covid has other plans right yes. that's phoenix fan fusion and, and arizona has slightly different ideas of vaccinated people that perhaps the state of washington did where i just came from but uh but hopefully we still get to uh enjoy that convention in the fine state of arizona in May. i think I they're going to so. be a little laxed yeah, Arizona, Arizona is a little rough, but uh, at the very least, I will be fully vaccinated. Maybe we should time a podcast for that where we're on 17%. Oh, 100%. 100% we're doing a podcast. One yeah, I, feel, I feel like that's just, it, that's it's a, obvious. It's yeah. a disservice to, to <laughs> the audience if we don't. Why, why exactly? Why drink, a, why have all three of us drink 17% beers and not record what yeah. happens after? Well, and especially if you're going to air this, like now you've created the tease for yeah. the summer. They got to wait, they got to wait five months, six months for yeah. this episode. It's going to be yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I'm going to have to take way better notes on my shit for 2022. If we're going to do this again, oh, like this sure. was all, this was all, you know, like, Oh yeah, I did this. Oh yeah, I did that. So I'm going to have to take notes of like all the beers I drank or I'll just, I don't know, maybe I'll just keep a, a log on untapped. I generally don't like untapped, yeah. but it's very helpful as a log for the beer you drank. Well, I, d I went on my Instagram. I was just like, all right, we did that beer tasting. I definitely posted my favorite beers. So um, yeah, that helped. So 
Yeah, I, all I did was look through my Tavor orders, but like that's not that's not all of it. That's right. not all of it. Right, right, for sure. Yeah, I'm. I uh, I have to admit, like I backed off the beer. I end up I'm drinking more wine these days. So like beers, it was easy for me to remember like.